0: Hey, all of you cool cats and kittens, this is not Carol Baskin.
1: Oh, no. Um, No, no, no. That's
0: that's a story for another day, though.
1: We've all watched Tiger King, though. (laughs) If you haven't watched Tiger King, go watch Tiger King on Netflix. It's very good.
0: I mean, it's okay. Listen, the people are all crappy, right? Like, there's hardly a good soul in that entire docuseries, but it's done very well. It'll blow your mind.
1: It's a long story about horrible people, but it is very well produced. Thank you, Netflix.
0: Yes, it is. So, I mean, obviously, listen, y'all, we're in the middle of the pandemic. This is pandemic episode recording right here. Uh, I am working from home and have left my house approximately three times in the past three weeks or more. I can't even remember now when I started working from home but Matt's also working from home and working on his home.
1: Mm -hmm. It's been, it's really done wonders for my home renovation timeline. Um, I'm dying. I'm so tired of dust. But yeah, when this all kicked off, I was actually in another country and my wife and I had to scramble to get a flight home um, to make it home at all. Before all the flights closed, we were actually in a country that had far fewer Cases of COVID-19 than basically any state in the U.S. And we were joking, like, "Haha, wouldn't it be funny if we got stuck in this beautiful place that we're in on vacation? And and then our flight got canceled, and that became a real possibility, and we both uh, uh, became horrified and didn't sleep for, like, two days. But I'm home now, so that's good.
0: Right? Like, things are much better here in the homeland.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah, they are.
0: But we're glad to have you back. Um, I mean, so all that goes to say, like, okay, so we're both home, but... That doesn't necessarily mean that we've had the time that we would have liked to do a full, in-depth researching every lead that we could to come up with a full, intricate story for you guys. But we've been missing podcasting. We've been missing reporting. So we had this idea, and this is our first time kind of putting it to use, so we'll have to see how it goes. Um, But basically, finding a story, maybe one that didn't have as much information for a full write-up, or like kind of the full hour-long we would normally take, or that didn't have as many sources to track down, but still thought that it was worth talking about. And instead of, because normally our process is we do a write-up, one of us does a write-up, Tells a story to the other, you know, asks questions, things like that. But I mean, it is a bit more structured. It doesn't seem like it's structured, but it is. So this time, I'm going to try telling Matt about a story that I found out about today,
1: actually. We're going off the rails.
0: Yeah, we're going off the rails. And I'm just going to talk to him about it. Just like I don't really, I wrote down some kind of major points. And some major things. Um, Of course, I'm going to be including lots of links and resources in the show notes. Um, And I actually want to give a shout out before we even start talking about this case um, to SF Weekly. Um, They had a really great, really in-depth write-up about this case. Um, It was written by Nuala sawyer Bishari. In 2018, so we're actually going to draft uh Twitter handle in our show notes as well because want we to give mad props to Nuala for this amazing write-up. Um, just wanted to highlight basically that in a lot of cases where we want to talk about them, but there's not enough information. Um, a big part of it is there aren't really any good sources that reach out and talk to the families, that reach out and talk to them, get their side of the story, find out from them. You know, how is this person like as a person? You know. How did they live their life? What were things about them? And you just can't find any of that information. And Nuala's article um, really delves into that. And I really appreciated that. So so without further ado, I want to talk to you about the case of Nicole and Ariana Fitz.
1: Everyone, Matt here. Just wanted to pop in with a quick editor's note. Let you know that this is one of the last episodes that we had uh, recorded, kind of late 2019, early 2020. Um, this was part of a series of episodes where we had kind of sat down, recorded them in a in a block over a short period of time, and uh, then they sat in an editing queue. My editing queue um, for, for quite a while. So finally catching up on things, finally get, getting back into publishing as you've noticed. Um, but uh, I just wanted to let you know, give you that context that this was really recorded kind of back still in Q1 of 2020. And also uh, just once again, we do it a ton, but I wanted to encourage you to engage with us on social media um, at Twitter at miss miss mer pod uh, and same on Instagram. I'd also encourage you to go check out our website, mysterypodcast.com. We have our RSS feed hosted there um, and on each entry of our podcast. Um, I don't know if I've ever explicitly said this in a podcast, but we have all of our sources listed there. Uh, it's come to my attention that not all podcatchers get all episode data um, and we kind of put <laughs> tend to put a lot of data in there with um, pictures, our sources. Um, we used to put where we got our music from there, where our art comes from. We kind of throw everything in there. So um, if you're interested in the sources and you're not seeing them in your Podcatcher with the episode download, feel free to visit our website. All of our sources are always posted there. And we have a web form there where you can engage with us and um, send us notes, send us thoughts. We've certainly gotten some constructive feedback um, and and gotten some, some really helpful comments and some really nice comments there. So if you like the show or have any thoughts feel free to uh, engage with us, send us a, a note on our web form, or um, if you want to engage with us even quicker, Twitter and Instagram, like I said, um, Miss Miss Murpod. and those links are on our website as well. So thanks so much for listening. Enjoy the show.
0: So to give some background in this case, um, this is all taking place in 2016. So in 2016, Nicole was a 32-year-old mother of two. So she had a 13-year-old daughter named Cindy. And she also had a daughter named um, Ariana, who was two years old at the time. So Nikki was a middle child in her family, and she was often thought of and treated as the youngest. So her younger sister, Tess was kind of like even more mature than her older sister, Nicole, was. And so Nicole was kind of like the very sweet, maybe a bit naive, maybe, you know, a little bit too open, a little bit too giving, but very sweet, very shy member of the family. And in this article from SF Weekly, you know, Tess talked about how she would sometimes tease her sister, but then also step up and almost act like a big sister to Nicole, even though Nicole was older than she was. Um, And like I was saying, Nicole was very generous. She was very giving and open hearted. You know, when she was a teen, she spent a lot of time volunteering at the Culver Slauson Rec Center, um, which was in L.A. And she spent so much time there, in fact, that in 1999, when she was only 15 years old, she received an award for that volunteer work. So that was something, yeah, that was something really important to her. And one of the pictures that we'll include on our website is from this award ceremony. And she's beaming, she's smiling, and you can tell that she is, like, very proud of herself and very happy, as she should be. Um, You know, they kind of had it hard, her and her sisters. So she was the middle of three sisters. And their mother died when they were just teenagers. And so even though the three of them grew up in separate households... They maintained a really strong bond, they stayed really close, and they really cared about each other. Um, in 2012, Nicole and Cindy moved in with her sister Tess and Tess's girlfriend in Pacifica, which was the closest they could get to San Fran, because as we all know, San Francisco is very expensive. It's very, mm-hmm. very difficult to live in San Francisco proper.
1: So this is four women all living in the same house.
0: Yes. I mean, but they loved it though. I mean, they yeah. were all very close. They got all, they got along very well. Like, there's even this really kind of heartwarming, you know, bit in the SF Weekly article where Tessa's girlfriend is talking about how they were so excited to, um, like get a bunk bed so that they could all yeah. kind of cram in, you know, so like Nicole and Sunday could be in the bunk bed, and like they were excited to live together even though it was going to be, you know, like a small space and it wasn't anybody's dream home by any stretch of the imagination, but it was something they were excited for because they could all be together.
1: That's adorable.
0: It is. It's really heartwarming. Um, And I mean, it's really unfortunate because as we were just talking about, the Bay Area is really, really expensive. And honestly, it's really prohibitive for a lot of people to live there. Um, It's very ridiculous for anybody like you or I to really live there if you're, you know, working class or poor, like it's, you can't live there essentially.
1: Bay Area has a a huge housing problem.
0: Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, And this sort of came, you know, to a head because they were all working as hard as they could to stay there, but it was very expensive. Um, And also, you know, Nicole became pregnant and so then that was hard because you have all these extra medical bills, you know, you're preparing for a baby. There's already one kid living with them, you know, and obviously Cindy is just focusing on being a child. So she's not working <laughs> as she <Yeah>. should be.
1: <laughs> right.
0: Um, and they're all trying to stay afloat. And this is around the time when they started to fall behind on rent. You know, they were really living paycheck to paycheck. Um, and they had to make a tough decision. And so Tess and her girlfriend decided to move to Santa Cruz. And Nikki, who really wanted to stay as close to San Francisco as possible, ended up spending time in a homeless shelter and sent her daughter, Cindy, to live with Sandy's father in Southern California. Oh, wow. Right, which, like, that's a very difficult decision to make, y'all. Like, that's yeah, a really that's... hard decision to make. And we have to keep in mind, too, that... um You know, I don't really know what her job situation was like, if it was she was really worried that she couldn't find a job somewhere else, if she just really wanted, she really thought that the best place for her family long term was San Francisco. But winding up in that kind of a situation would obviously be very, very difficult and hard for, you know, her to make that decision. So I don't think this is a decision that she made lately.
1: Yeah, that's really rough. That's really rough. Uh,
0: It is, Um, you know, and she around this time got a job working at Best Buy, and so she was working like double shifts and extra hours. You do. I knew that you would identify with this since you've also been a Best Buy employee. Mm. Um, But I mean, she was spending all the time there that she could trying to work as many hours as she could and make as much money as she could. Um, you know, this whole time she is still trying to find a new home for her family because staying in the homeless shelter is not a long-term solution for her and her family. And so it's at, um, this women's homeless shelter that she meets somebody named Lamassani Briggs, who was, and I don't understand a hundred percent what this means, but everywhere I see it's in quotations, street pastor, it's street pastor in quotations,
1: I mean um, that sounds pretty self-explanatory to me,
0: right? But you know, it's just—it's just you know—it means something extra when it's always in parentheses. It's never yeah. just street pastor. It's quote unquote street pastor.
1: Like he's the um, street pastor or something.
0: Right, right. And so Lamasani offers Nicole and Ariana a place to stay because at this point she's had Ariana her baby and so at first Nicole thinks that this is a great idea like this Lamassiani person seems very nice she seems you know kind of like a lighthouse and stormy waters so she says okay and decides to move in and it's important to note that when Nicole moves in she's paying rent and paying for babysitting so she's not getting a completely free ride Um, but you know what I mean she's still paying she's still offering something in return and the situation, however, went sour pretty quick, unfortunately. So this was, you know, in in the later half of November of 2015 that she ended up moving in with um, – Lamasciani, and the situation was not going well. And by that I mean that she was never given keys to this place where she was living, so she what? could only come or right. So she could only come or go if there was somebody home. Which whoa, that's totally not okay.
1: That's a red. That's a big red flag.
0: Right, right. And then Lamassiani was like reading her private diary, and she would know because. Oh no right and she would know because this woman would make comments to her about stuff that she would have no way of knowing unless she read that diary so it's a that huge is so creepy right like going into her private stuff and Lamaziani was really treating ariana as if ariana was her child So really starting to kind of take over and be like, right, like, oh, this is my baby. This is my child, which is no, 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 huge red flag and awful.
1: I just had a visceral reaction to that. Me. A, a late a childless man who's man. late 20s like i yeah i just had a, a visceral reaction to that that is gross
0: right and so you know nicole's siblings especially tess also had the same reaction and we're like nikki this yeah, cool. is not, not cool. a good situation right this is not good for you you can't live here anymore this is toxic and this is not good for you or for your daughter So in November of 2015, Nicole gets picked up by her siblings and some of her friends and kind of forcibly removed. I mean, I'm sure that she went along with it, but I mean, it wasn't like, a oh, she moved out over a period of a couple weeks. It was kind of like, okay, we're going to grab as much stuff as we can.
1: This is an intervention. We've brought a pickup truck. Let's go.
0: Yes, exactly. And I mean, keep in mind here that Tess and her girlfriend are living pretty far away. So, I mean, they drove pretty damn far to pick her up, so they thought this was a pretty big issue, and so they went and they got her. Now, somewhere along the lines, and it wasn't very clear to me if this was before she moved out or after, uh, Nikki had started using new babysitters. And so at first, you're like, "Oh, that's great! You know, she can focus on her work and she doesn't have to worry about this creepy, overbearing person spending a ton, of t- like a ton of time with her child."
1: Where did they find these babysitters?
0: Yeah, but see, that's the problem because the babysitters were nieces of Lam- Lamassani, and oh, no. Tess, right and had said to her sister, Nicole, she was like, Nicole, aren't you a little bit worried about that? Because I'm worried about it. And Nicole was like, well, they don't really get along. You know, they're not really in contact and I'm not worried about it. And nowhere did I see, like, how she met them, how she was introduced to them or anything like that. But, I mean, this is raising my That's, that's all. If, if they
1: actually don't get along and they don't talk, that's a hell of a coincidence.
0: Right. So, you know, like, I am, I am sure that Nicole thought... That it was like she in her heart of hearts believed that everything was okay, but me as an outsider, completely removed from the situation, like my red flags are raised high.
1: Right. Like big hindsight energy because we are talking about this. So something bad obviously happens, but like I can see how, you know, right. I, oh man. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so- right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so these nieces are somebody named Ciolo and Helena. So Ciolo and Helena are sisters and Helena is married to a guy named Devin and they have some children. <clears throat> excuse me and they live in a house and then Ciolo is living with a roommate so she's not living with her sister they're not living in the same place from everything that i could tell um but primarily at first it was yolo doing the babysitting from what i can tell and then later it was more helena but this is like it's very muddled like it's something that i don't see a lot of details about when i try to research this case okay and, I mean, neither of these people were daycare providers. I want to make that clear. So Cielo was an Uber driver primarily at the time. And Helena, I couldn't find anything about employment. I mean, maybe Helena was working. Maybe she was a stay-at-home mom. Um, but, I mean, neither of these people are, like, daycare providers who gotcha.
1: These work Gotcha. have, like, just folks, <laughs> folks that they're paying under the table to, to take care of the kids and... Uh, under the table to take care of the kids and they're not like they're not licensed right. by california or anything like that they're just well,
0: like- and it's right and as far as i can tell it's only ariana that they're babysitting so they don't have like a gaggle of kids it is okay. just ariana and then helena's own children that are being cared for right um and it's important to know that even after nikki sort of Forcibly removed herself from the situation, she was still getting abusive text messages from Lamassani, who was saying horrible things about her. Oh my and God. also texting. Right. And also sending her text messages saying things like, oh, bring my baby back here.
1: Ooh.
0: Right. Which you're like, whoa. Okay. Holy shit. Back up. Not cool.
1: Ba- back the front door. What? Like. Right. That's gross.
0: It is and it's important to know that like right now Nikki is going through a lot like you might be able to say well here's what I would do in this situation or I would have never done this or that but Nikki's kind of on her own she has family and she has friends but a lot of them live really far away and it's important to note that right now not only is she essentially homeless and basically couch surfing off of friends and family members who can spare a place for her to stay when they can because once again living in the Bay Area is very expensive and she's needing to save up money for a down payment on a place but also she's having problems with Cindy and Cindy's father because at this time Cindy's father had actually lost custody of her to CPS
1: oh my god um,
0: so this right, kid's so in I, the I system now Yes, and I couldn't see what was going on with that or what happened. They didn't mention it, and it's not really important other to know that Nikki is fighting for Cindy as well and trying to get custody of her. But Cindy was living in the LA area, so she's having to travel from San Francisco to LA for court cases, and she doesn't have a car. So oh she's doing this by getting rides from people, you know, taking public transportation, trying any way she can. So not only is she working her ass off, working all these, you know, like double shifts and extra hours and everything like that. But she's also making this huge commute. So at the time, there were days where she would leave Ariana overnight with Ciolo uh, and Helena.
1: Well, I mean, you'd have to. Like, if you don't have a car, right. you know, taking buses right. from San For- or L- yeah, San Fran to LA is like that's a that's a long bus ride. That's a lot of long bus rides
0: right and for people who aren't familiar with the area i mean california is very very huge and la and san francisco are not close to one another no so this is not like you know you're on the bus for 30 minutes and then you're there i mean this is like a commitment wow. so that, yeah that, right
1: god that sucks she like gave the yeah. kid up, and the kid ends up in the system anyways like
0: right she sent her daughter to live with her daughter's father because she thought that that would be the better more stable option for her until she was able to sort things out and then it turns out that he couldn't either handle it or couldn't be trusted and either way now she's having to fight for this child in a completely different area than where she's uh, currently living
1: well i'm sure we won't have more details about that necessarily because child privacy laws are a thing and this was only four years ago so
0: right but i mean this is all going on in the background and it was really heartbreaking because in that sf weekly article you know they interviewed one of her coworkers at the spy and his coworker was saying, you know, I noticed that she was spending a lot of time hanging out in the break room even when her shift was over. And, you know, at one point, um this coworker had said, "Hey, do you want to split an Uber like we can go home?" And so they get to his place and she finally breaks down and is like, "I'm so embarrassed. I don't have anywhere to stay." Like I, like she's a very private person. Yes, she's a very yeah. private person, and so for her to break down and be like, "I'm scared," like I don't have anywhere to stay. Like it was so eye opening to him to see someone who was so like bubbly and nice and like you know dedicated to her job, be in such a difficult position.
1: God, yeah, no, I like, like if I'm moving from one stable. Like, household to another, and I have a month to do it. I get like emotionally at capacity just doing that. I couldn't imagine, even begin to imagine, like this type of situation. That is, that has got to be so hard.
0: It is, and it's important to know that when she was couch surfing there were times where she was staying with people who were not in the San Francisco area. So she was bouncing around kind of wherever she could. So this yeah, was vastly changing her schedule and her transit time and all this kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. And if you've and, ever tried to get anywhere by public transit in San Francisco or LA, it's it's not, it's not easy.
0: No. And she, in her heart of hearts, up until now, has been really trusting of Ciolo and Helena, and thinking that this is the best for her daughter. Her daughter is getting taken care of by some, you know, really kind-hearted people who are helping her out. And you know, soon they'll all be back together, and everything will be fine. Now, and then, and then, right? So I'm going to, at this point, kind of give in bigger strokes what happens next but then I'm going to after that delve into kind of more into that SF Weekly article that I've been mentioning and then also a post I found on and I hate to use this as a real reference for anything but the subreddit Unresolved Mysteries oh no (laughs) but the reason why is because so just a side note here there had been a website set up by the family and it looks like it's no longer it's like defunct. Like it's no longer in service. When I went to it, you know how like when you go to a website and like the dues hadn't been paid for that domain, and so there's just kind of random stuff. <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh, you could buy this domain or whatever. Like that's what came up. a year. Right. So, I mean, we'll still include a link to it or reference it. So, if you guys want to go look, you certainly can. But so, I'm going to. So, this um, post on Unresolved Mysteries was based heavily on that website, which now I cannot access. So, take that with a grain of salt. We'll talk more about it when we come up to it. But I'm just going to talk more in general terms of what happens next from here on out until we get to those two articles. So, Nicole. Got really lucky and she found somewhere to stay with her family. It was actually with one of her coworkers who offered her a room for her and her daughter. Um, and she was so ecstatic. She was like, perfect. This is the break that I'm looking for. Like, things are turning up from here. So at some point, she attempts to retrieve her daughter from Helena in Sciolo in early 2016, who refused to give her daughter up. Oh. Yeah, citing that Nicole's new home is going to be too far away from them, and they don't like it. And reportedly during this time, they also say that they have taken Ariana to Disneyland without her permission, and that's why they haven't been responding.
1: That makes me very uncomfortable.
0: Right, and it's important to note that Tess and her girlfriend also haven't seen Ariana since February at this point.
1: Oh my god.
0: So we're into, like, March, and they haven't seen her since February, so this is, like, very concerning. Yeah. So that brings us to April 1st of 2016. So on April 1st of 2016, Nicole was seen wearing a Best Buy shirt under a jacket— And here's where things kind of start to break down in the background story and where I found articles that had either conflicting information or information that wasn't necessarily conflicting but wasn't necessarily the same either.
1: Okay, so she knows she's wearing her Best Buy uniform somewhere.
0: Right, right. that on April 1st she was seen 2016 wearing her Best Buy shirt and so like I said, we'll break this down and we'll talk about it more, but just keep in mind that, that at this point, there isn't like one definitive source. I mean, there's depending on where you lurk, people have different details. So, but she's seen on April 1st, 2016. And she, in the first article I read said, was believed to be traveling from her job at Best Buy on Harrison street via municipal railway vehicle, which I'm like a subway vehicle, a a streetcar. Streetcar? Like, what does this mean? But that's what it said. Um, on street, the car. Third street. I mean, I'm willing to believe it. I mean, for those of you who don't know the area very well, San Francisco has streetcars that are still in operation, which are kind of like a subway, but kind of not. So it's Google it if you round, don't know.
1: Really, really slow.
0: Really slow. Right. So just keep that in mind. Public transportation um, at around 9.45 p.m. So, originally, the police had said that she was summoned by a person known to her, and this was by Commander Greg, and I'm going to butcher your last name, Greg, I'm sorry, McKeachern.
1: We're talking straight to you, Greg, Mr. McKeachern. Straight
0: to you, Greg, I'm sorry for butchering your name. And police... At the time in this first article I read did not release who that person might have been or what that might have been about. However, I did find an Oxygen article, which we will link, of course, um, stating that the police learned, and I don't know if it was they knew at the time that they did this initial release and they just didn't say it or if they found out later, but that at some point they learned that the call was saying to go and meet the babysitter. Hmm. Which prompted her to leave her home. So now the thing to keep in mind is that this new apartment that she was going to be staying in with a coworker was only about five minutes away from the Best Buy. So leaving home, leaving Best Buy, they're only five minutes apart. I think that it's sort of, you know, like that's a small detail. That doesn't really matter. They're close enough together that it could be one or the other or both. Okay. And that was the last time that she was seen. Okay. Yeah. So, so Ariana, she left
1: work or left the house to see the babysitter?
0: Yes, on April 1st. Now, Ariana and her mother were both reported missing on April 5th by their family. And this is when the police involvement the in police later. investigation began. Four days later. Right. Ooh. And it was hard because, you know, they're reporting a grown adult missing, and as we know from many of our cases, the police are usually pretty wary of getting involved in a missing persons case if the person is 18 years old or older. Because they're like, well, they're an adult, they could leave if they want, like that's not our business to get involved. All this sort of, you know, run around that I'm sure that her family got.
1: Right. Well, then I'm sure that is, you know, a a lot of times true, like, especially, especially like, you know, single parents with kids. Maybe they, maybe, maybe she, not maybe she, but, you know, I'm sure they see a lot of cases where a lot of people actually do just like up and leave, especially those in, in difficult or otherwise uncertain living situations. That probably does happen occasionally. So,
0: right. Well, it's important to note that, you know, Nicole is black. Like, she and her daughter are black. And yeah, so, this is important but, to note, because yeah. the police often treat missing people of color very differently from missing white people.
1: Uh, that is an important detail. N- yeah, nope, it's more than... Yeah, the police are giving them a run around 100%, I think, in my opinion. Yeah. Yep.
0: So, like, throw that out there. I mean, this is what her family is is dealing with. And her family had been frank and had been frank at the time of their suspicions of the Martins. So, uh, Sciolo, her last name is Hearn, but then her sister Helena, Helena's maiden name is Hearn, but married name is Martin. And they knew... her family is
1: already suspicious of these people. They're giving the police this information, presumably.
0: Yes, they are. And they're saying, listen, we knew that they had been in kind of an ongoing conflict on April 1st, which is the last day anyone has seen Nicole. So we know that something, you know, is going on here. Um, and even like the Charlie Project for Ariana mentions that, you know, Nicole had exchanged text messages with relatives. Um, and it's not clear how many, if it was just one um if it was a bunch of people, I, th- I am more likely to believe it was just one saying that she was going to Fresno with a friend named Sam in the early hours of April second. And this have was we a met concern for him. We haven't met Sam. Exactly, and this is why her family was really concerned because they're like, we don't know a Sam, and also Nikki doesn't have a car.
1: Have How is she going get to Fresno? Fresno.
0: Right, so they're burning this information to the police. They're like, listen, y'all, look, this doesn't San make Francisco any sense. San
1: Francisco to Fresno. That's a three-hour drive, y'all.
0: Right, so this is not like, once again, oh, a 30-minute trip. I mean, this is a long-ass way away.
1: That's a three-hour drive right now in the middle of a pandemic with no traffic.
0: Right, one way.
1: One way, Yeah.
0: Right. That's a day uh, and trip. then and then also on the Charlie project it says that around the same time in the early morning hours of April second, there was a post to Nicole's Facebook that said, quote, spending time with my three year old need a break, end quote. Break spelled like a car break. And her family Um, was like, we don't think that she wrote this one because Ariana was not three years old, excuse me, at the time of this post. And her mom would sure as hell know that. And secondly, apparently, Nicole was very, very good about her spelling and grammar. And that would be super weird and out of character, her character for her to make that mistake.
1: So someone has a way to tweet on her behalf. Facebook post on her behalf. Facebook post, yeah.
0: Right. So her family is really, really suspicious and obviously really, really concerned for the safety of not only Nicole, but also her daughter, Ariana. So this is April 5th that all of this is going down and they're working with police and they continue to work with police up until April 8th. So on April 8th in McLaren Park... A gardener discovers a large piece of everything I first said wood, and I think that's really misleading, because it's a type of wood, but plywood. So a large piece of plywood resting behind a clump of ivy-covered bushes with an odd silver character or symbol or something spray-painted onto it.
1: So like a a, a sheet of plywood, and there's some silver graffiti or something on it.
0: Yes. Um, and police did release a picture of the plywood with a symbol on it. Um, so we'll include it. It's in the one of the ABC7 news links if you want to look at that. And police are very clear to say that this plywood does not appear to have come from a location within the park. So it's not like, oh, here's a construction project going on over here in the park and there's plywood laying around. We think it came from that. They think that whoever left that piece of plywood brought it into the park with them from somewhere outside. And underneath this piece of plywood, the gardener discovers Nicole's body.
1: Oh, God.
0: Her body is laying in the fetal position in a shallow grave covered only by that piece of plywood.
1: Oh, man. Okay. Is the kid with her?
0: No. Ariana is nowhere to be found. She is not with Nicole, and police do not believe that she was with Nicole at the time that Nicole died.
1: Okay. So, we have... And a live child somewhere so,
0: right, and we have a body, and it's important to note the police have not released a cause of death for Nicole, so I saw in a couple of I would say I don't want to be mean but like less reputable sources you know that like oh, there were blood stains on her shirt that very well maybe, but the police huh. have not said that, okay. and they've never released an official cause of death for her, and we don't know you know I didn't see anything saying, oh it looked like she was I hate to say this, like freshly dead. Like if she had just died and then they found her, or if she had been dead for a while, like if, like it seemed if she like was she... killed
1: somewhere else and then moved there, or if. Right. She was like I haven't there. found.
0: Right. So I haven't found so, any information like that. So all we know now is that Nicole is deceased and her daughter is nowhere to be found.
1: So, So they found her body under. A piece of plywood that had some silver graffiti on it. Why the silver graffiti?
0: I don't know. And from looking at the picture, it doesn't really seem to me, and obviously I'm not an expert, but to me, it doesn't necessarily seem like somebody was like, oh, I'm sending a message. Let me draw this symbol on this plywood and put it over this body and then, you know, the message will be sent. I mean, it, it seems to me more like maybe somebody was walking along and found this piece of plywood that already had mm. the symbol on it. And they were like, plywood. Great.
1: I can use this cover then- of the body that I made.
0: Right, and then, like, picked it up and took it with them. I mean, that's kind of the impression that I got as opposed to anything else. But I I could see the police wanting to say, okay, but if you saw this piece of plywood, like, two neighborhoods over somewhere, you know, maybe that would give us an idea of where it came from. And then that would, you know, help lead us, you know, to whoever grabbed it. I mean, I don't necessarily think they were like, ah, this is a clue in who committed the crime because they left the symbol on purpose. You know what I mean? Right.
1: So this might be a bit of a spoilery question, but given the fact that we don't know these things, this is this case still open? Yes. Uh, I'll bleep that. So
0: yeah, so we'll we'll get to that. But yeah, so police are trying to track down, you know, anything that they can. And so, obviously, the first place that they're going to look, and rightly so, is with these people who are watching her daughter, Ariana.
1: Yeah. Doesn't this, like, trigger an Amber Alert? It's like, mother um, and daughter no. go missing, mother is found dead?
0: Amber Alerts require very, very specific things, and that includes a license plate of a vehicle, if I remember correctly. Huh.
1: That makes sense because why all Amber Alerts come with license plates.
0: Yes. So, because I remember reading an article... A while ago. And maybe we'll do like a mini episode on this, uh, on what constitutes an Amber Alert. How do those get set up? But I remember reading somewhere where people had questions and they were like, Oh, Hey, here's this missing child. How come this missing child didn't get an Amber Alert? And it was because at the time they didn't have a vehicle description and they were like, listen, Amber Alerts require a very specific set of information that we don't have, and that's why that didn't happen. So they also don't have an exact time of when she went missing because they know when people last saw her, I guess, but they don't know if that was the last time she was alive or not, if that makes sense. Um, It's important to note here As well, that I didn't see anywhere any mention of Ariana's father. So I assume that he was just either an unknown or someone who was completely out of the picture. But he has not been brought up in anything that I read as a person of interest or a suspect. Because, you know, we do have to acknowledge the fact that a lot of times when a child goes missing, you're going to look at the other parent.
1: Yeah, of course. If
0: the parents are not together. So that did not happen in this case. But they instead went toward the people who were watching this child and had been for several months at this point
1: they're my prime suspects that's for sure
0: yeah as they are to the Fitz family I would think yeah
1: yeah that's so sad
0: of course persons of interest are Helena Hearn Martin Devin Martin her husband and her sister Cielo Hearn and Nicole's family have said on more than one occasion that they believe that Ariana is still alive and that quote somebody wanted Ariana as their own Like, as in somebody was like, I want this child, so I'm going to take this child and make them mine.
1: Right. Which is just such a creepy premise. That sounds like something from a horror movie.
0: It does. And sadly enough, it has happened a lot. Yeah. And so, you know, the police go to question them and they're able to talk to them at first a bit, but they offer conflicting information each time that they're talked to, which, obviously, that's not a good look. (laughs) And also, after they're named persons of interest, they decide to stop responding to all police inquiries, and actually, Helena hires a criminal defense attorney, which, listen, I know that every time anybody gets a lawyer, everyone's like, oh, they're clearly guilty because they got a lawyer. When, if I have to offer you one piece of legal advice if you ever have the police question. It is to get a lawyer.
1: <laughs> don't don't talk to the police. Get a lawyer. Let right. your lawyer talk to the police.
0: Exactly, and the lawyer is saying don't talk to the police. So they're not talking to the police. So I mean, well, good yes. lawyer. Right. So, while yes, we go. Well, that looks suspicious because it does. I mean, even if you were not guilty of a crime and the police came to talk to you about a crime, I would suggest you not talk to the police and you get a lawyer.
1: Yeah. So I I I, I'm more concerned with the fact that they gave conflicting pieces of information to the police uh, at first before. Having a lawyer involved um Agreed. the them them getting a lawyer involved frankly is just it that that's just smart that's I don't think that's suspicious I think that's just smart, especially if they're, being, if they know they're being, really. yeah yeah especially if they're being if they know they're being looked into as as persons of interest in a, a murder and missing person's case like obviously if the police are actually looking into them, a small child requires care right like yeah. they clearly do not have the child with them.
0: Right. So this is, I mean, this is a concern and obviously yeah. the police are very concerned about Ariana safety.
1: Yeah.
0: And so pretty early on, police sees at least 30,000 pieces of evidence at locations in Oakland, Emeryville and Daly city. I think it's Daly city. It might be Daly city. I'm so sorry, everybody living in California that I did not look this up beforehand, but daily, this daily. is what it is. It's a daily, daily, um, But they searched these places in connection to the locations where Ariana had been staying. So
1: 30,000 pieces of evidence? Sorry, that just sunk in.
0: Right, at least. That's a lot of pieces of evidence. And they've been pretty tight-lipped about whatever it is that they managed to find or they managed to wrestle up. So here's where we're going to break into kind of two different mini-segments, I suppose. So first, I'm going to talk about what I found when I looked on the Unresolved Mystery subreddit. Uh, which heavily referenced finding ariana fits which was the name of the website that no longer exists right um and like i said take all of this with a grain of salt i'm not saying that all of it is certainly lies i'm not saying that some of it doesn't seem like it's true but it's not Sorry. like a very credible source <laughs> it was finding dot but that also doesn't work
1: yeah it looks like whoever was managing it let the domain name lapse
0: Pro tip, not pro tip, but just fun fact, um, you don't really buy a domain forever. Yeah. You have to renew, which is what we have to do for our domain name.
1: Yeah, you basically re-register. Usually yearly, you can buy multiple years at a time, but um, the registration does re- does expire um, because there's, there's registration fees associated with um, actually registering the domain name with ICANN. The International Corporation for Assigned Names and Numbers. Um,
0: Right. So long story short, this website, as it was, when this write-up was written, no longer exists for me to look at.
1: It's probably pretty likely that that was created by the family. So information there may be biased, may not be biased. I don't know. It's hard to say.
0: Right. So that's why I said take it with a grain of salt, especially because we can't now really delve deep into the source material. So this is just what I'm seeing from a secondhand source. And we usually don't talk about sort of unverified sources. We usually try to keep it pretty on the straight and narrow. But since this is more of just me talking about it, I thought I'd bring it up with a caveat that...
1: It's an unverified source. Yeah.
0: <laughs> right. So there was a post by user Happy Plant Girl that was sort of a write up on this case on its own. So and mentioned a lot of the things that we've already been able to kind of talk about and bring up from some other sources. So such that in November of 2015, Nicole didn't feel safe with her roommate at the time. Um, that, you know, Helena was watching her child. Um, and that Nicole was really trusting of them. Now here's where the new information comes in, because it was through this that I was able to see that, um, Ariana was staying at their place in Oakland, California. So, for those of you who don't know, San Francisco is across the bridge from Oakland. So, it's not super close. Uh, it's about 12, 13 miles away. Um, so, it's not in San Francisco, that kind of area proper. It is across the water, across the bay.
1: It's very long walkable.
0: Yes. Um, and so here we find out about who is this person who is this roommate that she was going to potentially be staying with her being Nicole Um, so in this post they specifically reference um, Goyette Williams and that Goyette was a co-worker of Nicole's at the Best Buy, and that Goyette invited Ariana and Nicole to live with her. Um, you know, this place was only about five minutes away that she had a spare room. Um, and in this write-up as well, I referenced that Helena and her whole little posse out there refused to give Ariana up at one point, even citing that this new place that Nicole was planning on moving to was somehow too far away from them. And that's why they wouldn't let Nicole see Ariana. That's, Which I'm like, you don't creepy. get anything in that. Right. This isn't your child. You don't have custody. You don't have visitation. That's none of your goddamn business, how far away it is or isn't.
1: Oh, that's
0: so scary. Uh, it is scary. Yeah. And this write up specifically references that this one went on for about six weeks, six, weeks and nicole did not see her daughter at all during this time
1: oh my god what
0: right and then it was during the six weeks that they allegedly took ariana to disneyland that's Um,
1: effectively a a kidnapping
0: yeah and i mean in this write-up the point is brought up that maybe they were stalling for time and that's why they said that Insinuating that maybe something happened to Ariana and that they didn't want to talk about it or come to terms with it. So they were stalling.
1: That is a thought. So maybe Ariana isn't.
0: Right. right. She's unfortunately no longer living.
1: And so, so for the six weeks prior to Nicole's death, she hadn't seen her daughter at all.
0: Mm hmm. She hadn't seen her for like six weeks, which is a crazy long time not to see her child.
1: Oh my god. So, all right. Yeah, I think that's so, a possibility that sounds semi-likely, yeah. Wow. Right,
0: and so in this write-up, they talk about how Goyette, and I don't know if it was like Goyette specifically talking about her experience or if it was this is what Goyette told me. I'm assuming pulling from that website that we can no longer get access to. Um that you know, Goyette says, okay. Well, Nicole told me that she is going to give these babysitters a the deadlines of April 3rd to get her daughter back. That April 3rd is the day that she is coming to get her, no matter what. And that on the night of April 1st, Nicole withdrew $600 from an ATM and told Goyette that she was going to go run some errands and that she also needed to go and see the babysitter. That the babysitter called her and was upset, and that she was over at some restaurant on Third Street and that Nicole would be right back.
1: Six and apparently, is a Nicole. Lot of money.
0: It is a lot of money, yes. And that Nicole said, you know what, this should only take about five minutes, I'll be right back. And that Nicole did not come back. Goyet also said that she received a text message on April 2nd at 12.45am, so I'm assuming like the night of April 1st, if you know what I mean. So it was like that evening, but it had just switched over to the next day, from Nicole, quote-unquote, saying that she was on her way to Fresno with someone named Sam.
1: Again, the aforementioned Sam that we've never met and that none of her family knows.
0: Right, and Goyette also had never heard Nicole mention a Sam or met a Sam before, and so she texted back to be like, hey, who is Sam, and how are you getting to Fresno, and she did not get a response.
1: Ah, yes, Sam Smith, who lives on 123 Main Street, you Mm -hmm. know.
0: Right, exactly. My
1: dearest friend, Sam Smith.
0: And so at the end of this write-up, it's kind of thrown out there that apparently Helena Martin previously served six years for killing the father of her child in 2001.
1: Now, just because she killed once doesn't mean she's going to kill again, allegedly.
0: Right. Which but. was just sort of like a whoa thing to be thrown out there.
1: Right. That's, uh, a bit of, that's a bit of a hard stop piece of information.
0: Right. And that's kind of all that the write-up had. Um, So, you know, that didn't really have a whole lot of information. But then the SF Weekly article, which I've already been quoting throughout, I've already been talking about throughout, but let me just once again throw it out there to Nuala because this is an amazing write-up, talks with Tess directly, who obviously is the sister of Nicole and is, mm-hmm. you know, super tied to this case and knows the case really well and knows the people involved really well. So to talk about what that article talks about specifically, and of course we're going to link it and you should read it yourselves because it's a really well-written article, um, the SF Weekly article kind of contradicts this, but it's also kind of one of those things where maybe they're both right, they just didn't mention the same things at the same time, saying that Nicole was out with a coworker named Jacobo, uh, and they went to the mall because Jacobo needed to shop for some new clothes for a gig that they had coming up. They're a walking gig? around at a gig. So Jacobo did some sort of gig work. It wasn't specific. Like, maybe they're a musician. Maybe they're a magician. Maybe they're <laughs> an actor. Like, I don't know. But they had I like
1: the of I like the idea of magician. Uh, that's that's my new headcanon.
0: <laughs> okay, yes. So they're a magician and they need a new outfit for their new show. Cool. So they're walking around and they come across a pizza hut. And Nicole's like, hey, I want to pick up a pizza to bring back to Goyette's place. <laughs> And you know, I'll go and get the pizza. And so they went and got the pizza. But then she also stopped into a Seven Eleven and withdrew several hundred dollars from an ATM. So I'm assuming that they're talking to Jacobo, who's like, "I just saw her take out several hundred dollars. That's no concerning. idea of how much, just a lot of money, which, right, seems freaking weird." Yeah. And so this report also says that later in the evening, Goya and Nikki are watching a movie, and Nikki gets a phone call. And Nikki's like, hey, I need to go, and I need to meet somebody at BJ's restaurant. And apparently she leaves to go to BJ's restaurant, and that Nikki doesn't come back later that night, and that she does not show up for work the next day or the day after. (laughs) And right, it's at this point that everybody is starting to worry because here is this hardworking mother who is picking up all these extra shifts and is always around. Like, why would she just randomly not show up for work?
1: Right. So so the, the thought is that considering nobody saw her after April 1st and it, it's very likely she was dead by the end of day, April 1st.
0: I would say that and this is just from what I've been reading, it seems like she died very shortly after she left to meet up with whoever it was she was gonna meet up with, and that they sent this text about quote unquote Sam and Fresno and mm-hmm. that they made a post to Facebook.
1: Right, with bad grammar and
0: Right. Sam doesn't and exist so,
1: Fresno doesn't exist.
0: Sorry right. Fresno. <laughs> Sorry, Fresno. And so, you know, Tess is immediately very worried and began to panic. And this SF Weekly article talks to Tess a lot. So a lot of what we hear in that article is from Tess herself. Okay. And So she's obviously very, very concerned about her sister because she's thinking to herself, you know what? I could see them pressuring her and being like, hey pay us some money for what we've been doing you owe us money and so maybe nicole thought you know what i'll bring them a couple hundred dollars i'll pay them and then this will all be over it'll just be like a bad dream we'll wake up from and we can move on and everything will be fine
1: gotcha so maybe they were extorting her for basically custody yeah. of her daughter which is why she stopped and and got six seven hundred bucks at an atm
0: exactly right So Tess and Bonar, her girlfriend, and this is like her long-term girlfriend. So this is the same person who had been living with Nicole a couple years ago.
1: Right.
0: Are obviously very worried about Nicole. This
1: is a significant other.
0: Right. This is a family member. Yeah. And they're very concerned about Nicole. So they go to the police, and they are the ones who file the missing persons report. And they're also the ones who kind of get flack back from the PD being like, well, Nicole's over 18 years old. What can we do?
1: And three days later, she's found dead.
0: Right. And so Bonar and Tess are, you know, internet sleuths after our own hearts. They're a couple of badasses. And they're like, we need to start gathering information about these people because if something happened to Nicole, it was probably them. So uh, they only know them by their first names at this point. And so they're searching online and they're able to look at Nicole's Facebook friend list and be like, oh, hey, here we go. Here are some people with these names. And Bonar actually sends um, Ciolo a friend request and Ciolo accepts. Oh, And so she sends her a message being like, hey, have you heard from Nicole? Like, what's going on with Ariana? Like, we're really worried about her. What's happening? And she never gets a response. And so then Banar and Tess are like, hey, you know what? We've dropped Ariana off at this house before. We can't remember the address but we know it was by a Greyhound station in Oakland so we'll just drive to the Greyhound station and we'll drive around until we find this house Good for and them. they did yeah they did so they drove their own asses around until they found this house so that they could give the address to the police and be like here's a place that you need to go to like this is like persons of interest right here you need to check these people out here is their address
1: I'm guessing the police didn't for a while
0: No, and unfortunately, it's really sad because they talk in the article about how Tess hears, Hey, we have some new information. You need to come down to the station. And she does, and their new information is that her sister's body has been
1: found. That is tragic
0: right and so you know of course they were very very you know hopeful and still had hope in their hearts that everything was going to be okay and they were going to find nicole and they were going to find ariana and that everybody was going to be fine but obviously that was just absolutely crushed
1: yeah yeah that that yeah that's tragic
0: But this does sort of start the search for Ariana in earnest, because here they have a dead mom.
1: And a missing adolescent. And here's this
0: missing child. Yeah. She's not even an adolescent. She's like two years old. She's a baby. She's a baby. So this is when, you know, police do, as far as we can tell, their best work in the public eye. Meaning what we know, because they track down footage shot near the park. And they interview all of Nikki's friends, and this is also when they, you know, search those those three locations that we were talking about. So they seem to be doing good work, but not a lot comes out of it right away. And so we don't really find anything else out until May 18th. So, I mean, this is a couple months later, and there's this yeah. very large press conference, and Best Buy actually offers a $10,000 reward for information related to this case.
1: Best Buy is a good retailer.
0: And so Tess and her older sister, after this press conference, meet with the chief of police. And so they're feeling pretty good. But then, literally the next day, the chief of police steps down.
1: Okay, I assume for unrelated reasons.
0: Yeah, so what we also have to keep in mind is that at the time, there's a lot of shit going on. So according to the Black and Missing Foundation, 37% of people under 18 who were reported missing nationwide in 2016 were African-American. So that's a huge percent. Yeah. And the National Crime Info Center lists the number as 170,899.
1: Oh my god.
0: Yeah, and so the Fitz case got a decent amount of coverage, all things considered, but honestly, it's sadly owed to the fact that there is a missing child involved. If this was just Nicole that we were talking about and not Ariana, it's likely that her case wouldn't have received basically any attention at all.
1: Would have gone into a filing cabinet and been tucked away.
0: Right, and at the same time, and a big part of the reason why this guy stepped down is because at around the same time, um, the San Francisco Police Department was dealing with a case where the police department shot and killed a man named Louis Gungora Pat and in a separate instance, a lady named Jessica Williams. And so their credibility is disintegrating. So for them, that's the big focus, not sounds, the case of the murdered like woman the and her missing child.
1: Oh, that's sad. <laughs>
0: It is really sad. And, you know, sadly, we haven't heard a lot since then. It is 2020, and it was only very recently, on Friday, March 27th of this year, that the San Francisco Police Department announced a $100,000 reward for information leading to the identification, arrest, and conviction of the persons or persons responsible for the murder of Nicole and the disappearance of her daughter, Ariana.
1: So Ariana is still missing, and is now six or seven if she's
0: alive yes and apparently in april of 2017 police seized a car um actually the fbi police um the fbi not the police um which may be connected to the murder kidnapping um you know of ariana and that they would test it for dna But that's all we've heard. We don't know if they did test it for DNA and it came back positive and they just aren't saying anything. If it came back negative, if they found any more evidence in that time period. We don't know.
1: So somebody, at least as far as we know, got away with murder.
0: Yeah, somebody got away with murder and kidnapping a child and possibly murdering that child.
1: Yeah, that's really sad. It is really
0: sad. Well, and so, you know, before we leave, I want to say, you know, when she was last seen, Arianna was two years old. She had brown eyes and black hair, you know, was only two feet tall, 45 pounds. And if you or someone you know have information that could help this case, you should really give a call to either the San Francisco Police Department. Their number is 415-553-8090 or to the Northern California Alliance for the Missing. And their tip line is 530-378-4491. But yeah, I read about this case and I just, I couldn't believe it. I was like, how is it that this happened years ago now? And we don't know, we have no information. As far as we know, the public knows there are no new leads and they're nowhere closer to finding where this poor little girl is.
1: That's really sad.
0: It is really sad. So, I don't know. I'm sorry that a lot of our cases are downers, guys. Well, if you care about this case or you want to learn more or anything like that, um, there is a Facebook page that is about finding Ariana and getting justice for Nicole. We'll include it in the show notes. So if you want to check that out, you certainly can. There was more information about this case out there than I originally thought there would be. It took me a little bit longer to kind of find it all. But that is something that I talked about earlier on in the episode, is that in a lot of cases, there's just not a lot of good information. There's not a lot of good information about the people involved, about the victim from the family or from their friends. Um, And people who don't get their stories out there in the media, they're less likely to find justice in a lot of cases, especially in marginalized communities.
1: Yeah. Well, and you know, even in even in cases that are cold like this one, it's it's it can be hard to find reliable sources. Yeah.
0: One of the things that really gets me about this case is that no matter where I look, nobody ever mentioned what these people have said as to where Ariana is. No one. Like nothing in the police have released nothing in anything else i've read so as far as i know there's no explanation of where this child is or where they went wow like she just poofed into thin air and that's something that really gets me when i was reading this because i kept expecting to read you know oh well you know helena and cielo said oh well her mom picked her up on x day and we haven't seen her since or you know this family member picked her up
1: Oh, so even like persons of interest who knew presumably where the child was have said nothing about where the child was. It's
0: just That we know
1: of. It could be
0: that they've said something to police and the police haven't released that, but I and everything that I looked at could not find anywhere that said any sort of reasonable explanation for where the child has gone.
1: That's really interesting.
0: Well, and that's the thing that really gets me is because I would think that as part of your defense presumably you would say either the truth or if you're making it up you would say oh her mom picked her up on this day and I haven't seen her since but I I didn't see anything that made a mention of when she had left their custody because I mean clearly she is not in their custody now at least from what the public can see because the police would have just gone over there and picked her up if she was
1: that's that's nuts because like yeah. Especially from, you know, like a police perspective about it, the, the child's well-being is the most important part of the case, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like if this kid is being raised by another parent somewhere who is their abductor, the most important part of this case is is finding her and ensuring her well-being, not solving her mother's murder necessarily, right? Like, like one is a thing you cannot change, one is a thing you, you can affect. So like... I,
0: yeah so it's just really confusing to me that nobody has said you know we believe that she was last seen you know in the company of or
1: right.
0: in the guardianship of so-and-so
1: yeah well, well and
0: also the thing that
1: no one knows right i mean I right. Guess we know but i mean even ish
0: right and even the police haven't said anything and i mean sort of one of the silent victims or unsun victims of this whole thing is Cindy. Yeah, You know, Nicole's eldest daughter, you know, Nicole was trying to get custody of her. I don't know as of today where she is or who's taking care of her. She's OK. And that was something that also was hard for me when I was reading, too, was to be like, well, we don't have I'm like, I get it. You know, she's a minor. It's yeah, not necessarily not for us to know the details. Right. But I'm like. I hope that she's okay that she's yeah. being taken care of that she has someone to care for her and watch out for her
1: right that her father either got his shit together and got custody back or that the state has placed her with a good household
0: right so i mean that's those were two things that really stuck with me about this case and yeah i'm sure the police know more than we do because police usually do Um, but it was hard to read about and just feel so infuriated. Like, when was this child actually seen last, and what is their excuse for not having this child any longer?
1: Right. and I can only assume that part of that is that the police know and they just don't have enough to make an arrest or, you know, something like that. Usually if they're probing for absolute information and they have no idea they'll release that data to the public and be like hey for information here's what we know here's how it goes here's you know the reward setup and and hope for anything if they're not releasing that hopefully it means they know some details that they're not releasing to the public because they're eyeing some specific targets but who knows
0: and i also haven't seen anywhere them specifically refer to ariana's case as a homicide So I haven't seen them anywhere say that they believe she is no longer
1: alive. Yeah, well, that's I guess that's another good, bad point. I don't know. Like, it could be good, because maybe they have reason to believe she's alive, or it could be bad, because they just don't know enough to say one way or another. (laughs) Maybe she did just vanish, you know? That's sad.
0: It is sad at the end of the day, I mean, this case really caught my attention and I can't believe that we don't have information out there. So yeah,
1: I can't believe there's basically a little girl abducted and are missing for six weeks and then her mother was found murdered and it didn't get more attention. That's crazy. That's tragic.
0: Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. And I think that maybe the renewed interest or the reason why they're offering up this new reward is because they're I don't know if they're under new leadership or if it's like the FBI has really ramped up their involvement in the case. But I'm hoping with this, you know, new reward put out there, or at least the reports of it going out there, that more people will come forward and maybe we'll be able to get some closure for this family and that, you know, maybe they will be even reunited with Ariana
1: yeah hopefully well we'll put all the information in the show notes just like mel said so um on that note we have a couple of other episodes that we recorded a while ago um both of us have been going through some pretty big life changes in the last couple of years i got married and bought a house and i'm renovating said house and uh mel has moved as far as i know like 35 times 40 times somewhere around there yeah
0: somewhere in that ballpark
1: actually we've both gotten married
0: we have i was gonna say i mean people can congratulate you if they want but
1: congratulate both of us i guess um
0: we got married not to each other i want to make that clear
1: to other people um (laughs)
0: to other humans yes and if you liked this kind of more
1: freeform
0: discussion-y format if you thought that it didn't really seem any different than our other episodes if you have comments suggestions case suggestions i still have yet to get a really good case suggestion meaning i haven't gotten any um please tell us
1: your ideas
0: or send us you know articles or bring cases to our attention tell us what you like what you don't like um we're here you can message us on instagram on twitter we won't oh, talk about the Facebook discussion group because we're locked out of that. So,
1: that's, if somebody that's knows still a how to
0: hack Facebook, also don't, let us know on the download.
1: On the, yeah, but on the, like the DL, not through official channels, because because I don't think that's legal.
0: But if you could help us retrieve that password and account, we're here.
1: If you do hack it and you find out what the password is, just shoot us an email, and and we'll take it from there. That'd there we be go. Great. That'd I'm not great. condoning that. But if you were to do that bad bad thing
0: but hopefully we'll be back soon for another yeah. episode maybe with one hopefully. of our episodes that we recorded pre-pandemic
1: yeah no for sure and uh stay inside stay safe wash your hands don't touch your face and uh i hope everybody is uh, safe well and healthy <laughs>